Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill building courses for you to choose from because the steps that you choose to take today will help you to love what you do in the future. And that's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Let's be honest. The first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simon's on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away, because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're talking affordable home-cooked meals that are good enough with Leanne Brown. So you know how uh, your friends, they have different like specialties? Like you know who to call if you need a plumber recommendation or you know which friend has the best beach recommendations in Florida. Well, Leanne Brown is who comes to mind when it comes to eating really well, but for less. Uh, Leanne calls herself your friend in the kitchen and her New York Times bestseller, uh, Good and Cheap, is now free and has been downloaded millions of times. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Uh, and now her new cookbook, Good Enough, was just published last week. It's a mix of essays, personal stories, and delicious recipes, uh, as she also acknowledges the fear and anxiety that many have when it comes to cooking. We're going to talk about all of that and more today. Leanne, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this chat. We're looking forward to it too, Leanne. And that's because, yeah, as two guys who talk about saving money a lot, our go-to money-saving advice when it comes to 
paying less for food is shop at Aldi <laughs> and like beyond yeah, that. I mean, beyond that, we don't have a lot. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> good starting point. <laughs> but we do not have the depth of knowledge that you have. So, uh, but the first question we ask every guest who comes on the podcast is, you know, Matt and I, we drink a craft beer on every episode because it's something that we spend a lot of money on in the here and mm-hmm. now while we're trying to be intentional about saving uh, and investing for the future. What is that for you? What's your splurge? It's a really good question. And I, I, have a few different directions I could go on this, but I think I want to say fundamentally, I, it's like splurge on something that makes your life better. That is a quality of life thing. And that's definitely where I like, I'm recording this in my bedroom and I'm thinking about how important like having a comfortable, cozy bed is for me. And so we oh. have, I have nice sheets and truly I cannot, my husband doesn't understand this. He's like the sort of person who would just leave the bed like a mess all day and just like <laughs> vaguely like grab the sheets and like kind of cocoon himself and go to sleep. We got and it. I know He's many people who are like all that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is a style thing though, I think. Um, there's so many people who are just like, what's the point of making your bed? Because, you know, you're just going to mess it up again. And and while I sort of intellectually understand that, my body, like, gets such profound pleasure out of sliding into, like, a smooth, crisp sheet situation. It just, like, feel like my whole body can just relax. Mm. And it primes me to calm down and go to sleep. And um, sleep, like, sleep for me is quality of life, like, almost the number one thing like if there's anything that I can do whether it's you know yoga before bed whether it's um you know trying to get enough exercise all of these things you know drinking less alcohol mm-hmm. I can think of all these sort of good habits that I have been trying to cultivate and every time I add sort of a new good habit almost always it comes down to like that helps me sleep better yeah <laughs> and so truly it's like really that simple and um so my bed being sort of this really beautiful place is super important for my quality of life. So I think that's that's sort of where my splurge um, comes from. And it sounds like you guys really, really enjoy the pleasure and connection you get from like having a good beer together. Oh, absolutely. So, sure. But yeah. not thing. too close to bedtime, because like you said, that can, <laughs> <laughs> that can certainly disrupt sleep. It's disruptive, yeah. That's why we drink while we podcast in the afternoon. <laughs> Leanne, yeah. I'm going to share a quick story with you. You're probably going to cringe when I say this, but the mattress that my wife and I sleep on that we love was a free mattress that we got online through Facebook Marketplace. Uh, hey, <laughs> that if it was, works for you. I that mean, somebody was giving away. And we actually, we, we, we were like, you know what? It's time to grow up, you know? And so we were like, okay, let's order one of these uh, mattresses that shows up in the mail. We got it. You know, mm-hmm. it deflated, took 24 hours. It had the spring foam combo. We did not like it. And so we were actually one of the folks who took advantage of that and sent it back. And we pulled down that old queen <laughs> spring mattress down from the attic. But like you said, if it works for wow. us, I guess that's all. That's the only measure we need to Yeah, I really think to, that. To like, I think it. no judgment about how you got it. Like, if it truly feels better for you, that's the only thing yeah. that could possibly matter. Oh, and, and real quick, too. You know, so Joel and I, we love to ride bikes. Uh, we read that before you moved to New York City. You used to ride your bike everywhere. Do you get out on your bike much these days there in, uh, in New York? Yeah. You know, it's funny because <laughs> my husband, I think, frankly, as part of of trying to distract himself from the state of the world these last few weeks has been buying bike parts online um, obsessively, <laughs> probably in <laughs> you know the careful way that you guys enjoy doing too, and uh, been just fixing up both of our bikes in small ways. And nice. he had kind of finished up uh, do, making these few small improvement, you know, changing to new tires, um, fi- 
fixing the hub, that kind of thing. And um, we went for a ride yesterday. It was sort of nice enough out that we went for a little family ride, and it felt fabulous. Mm. Yeah, um, but just yeah, just a ride around a nice the park, family bike ride, right? Oh, so good. My daughter was like, I don't like the wind in my face, but. <laughs> She could deal for 20 minutes. Yes. And you know what? They're going to complain even at home. So uh, let, let's let's move it's on. Leanne. Let's talk about uh, food and eating well on a budget. And yeah, I feel like uh, it, it always feels like fancy dishes that you'd get while you're eating out or something. They're made from these expensive cuts of meat or they've got like yeah. tr- truffles <laughs> shredded all over the top sure. of them, something like that. Um, but what you're saying is that you don't have to have a big budget that's not important when it comes to eating great food. Like, why do you say that? Because it's true. There's so many of our favorite, I mean, you said, what you just said is true. And at the same time, I would bring some reality to that statement that um, many of the things that you are going to order out are also actually going to be quite inexpensive. But in terms of the ingredients that are used, like, for example, like, let's say a fancy pasta dish that has bacon and egg as the base, you're only using like maybe one or two strips of bacon and a couple of eggs. And the pasta itself is really inexpensive, but it's sort of the technique, the Mm. way that it's being put together, that um, is sort of where the value comes in. And so when you can learn some of these techniques, which, you know, we say the word technique, you might think, oh my gosh, that's going to be hard. It doesn't mean it's hard. It just means it's a couple of steps that you just need to do and think through. And um, you can have these really beautiful meals that can seem really fancy just in your own kitchen really quite easily. So I guess what I always really say is learning to cook, like getting sort of a basic idea of cooking. And I really do mean cooking sort of as opposed to baking, cooking, like learning how to, you know, say make a pasta dish, make a grilled cheese sandwich, like literally like these really, really simple sorts of meals, make an egg dish for yourself, how to saute vegetables, um, what to do with frozen peas, you know, when to put it into the meal um, so that they won't still be cold. Like these sorts of simple techniques, they can just lend such tremendous quality to your everyday life and not at really all that high a cost. And I think And again, people think like, oh gosh, yeah, we all know that learning to cook would like make my life better. But I think what most people maybe don't realize is just how quickly you can experience much, much better meals. Um, Like just learn a couple of really simple things, learn one or two recipes really well, things that you really, really enjoy, and you can start seeing tremendous sort of improvement in the quality of your meals. And by that, I really mean the quality of the of how much you can enjoy your meals and look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you know what you're doing, right? When you have some yeah. knowledge as to the the strokes you're making with your knife, or like you're, you know, you're talking about technique yeah. here. It's, it's sort of like when you go on, like go to a museum, and if you're going through with a tour, uh, like a guided tour, or even like the audio tour, you're going to appreciate it so much more when you understand what it is that you're looking at. And yeah. I think the same can be true with your food. I love that you talked about the difference between cooking and baking because yeah we've talked about this on the show before how so much of life is it's more cooking it's not baking it's not these precise steps that you follow and you know for for those of us who do feel like you know a duck out of water who weren't taught kitchen skills what are some specifics how do we get a handle on the basics in order to feel comfortable cooking well at home what are some of those basic techniques that you think are necessary in order to feel confident so and I hate to do this, but it really is, it is sort of an individual thing. So it's not like, okay, master these 10 and you're good to go. Um, of course you could try something like that, but I think we're, when we're talking about confidence, it really is about thinking about yourself, like your personal taste and trying to think about like, what are five 
dishes that I really enjoy when I eat out, say. And maybe even thinking like, what is sort of a salad that I really like? What is a pasta dish that I really like? What is a stew or a soup that I really like? And starting at that place and just learning how to make one or two of those things um, can be just an incredible confidence builder. And I think really putting yourself into the mix, like truly thinking about your taste. I started this Mm. by saying bacon and egg pasta, I guess what I really meant was like a carbonara like yeah. if you see that on your menu i think you're like ooh, carbonara woohoo fancy fancy sounds italian it's literally <laughs> bacon and egg pasta like it's so simple and it's just a matter of like how you put those things together we'll often like have those types of uh ingredients in our pantry and our fridge already if you're a vegetarian you know you may want to skip the bacon if you're wanting to add in more um, vegetables you could do you know it's still quite classic to add peas or to add some other kind of veggies or herbs or something like that you can add some lemon zest these are ways to kind of bring in your own taste to it but I think so much of it is just taking is a knowing that it is good and important, I think, to take your own personal taste into account and to start where you are and then be really, really patient and gentle with yourself as you get going. Um, celebrate every meal you make, celebrate your effort and appreciate yourself for the effort that you're making on your own behalf. And just like know that it's for everyone. It is hard to try something new. And so don't have that kind of self-talk that I think so many of us grow up with inside our heads, which is Mm. sort of like, oh, I should be better at this already. And like, it's so embarrassing that I don't know how to do that. Like all of that kind of stuff. Try to like really leave that in the background and celebrate yourself that, you know, no matter how small, even if it's just making toast, just appreciate the kindness of your intention as you make um, these things for yourself. And that will kind of fuel you through. And it's not that it's, making too big a deal out of it or letting yourself off the hook or any of that. It's being truthful because it is a really good thing to make these things and making any sort of habit change in our lives is hard. Like we are built as creatures of habit. We really are. And it's, you know, for all kinds of important reasons that our ancestors millions of years ago um, needed. But so making changes in our lives is unsettling. And so we need to actually support ourselves through these experiences and and we can support ourselves not by diminishing our efforts and making fun of ourselves when we don't do well but really celebrating ourselves and we do make make mistakes and when it does work out not so well to kind of roll with it and go like yep that makes sense it's Mm -hmm. part of learning and you need to hold yourself to a realistic standard and that is what will sort of allow you to succeed in the long term Totally. And I mean, and that's so much of what you focus on within, you know, within your new book. Uh, I love how you're talking about gravitating towards the dishes that you enjoy, how that's mm-hmm. a great place to start when it comes to how you want to improve in the kitchen. You've you know, shared before as well, just some of the, you know, some of the specific tools. And like you mentioned, yeah. you know, a second ago, you said lemon zest. And that reminded me that you talk about the microplane specifically yeah. and how this is just this uh, really affordable tool that <laughs> has so much utility. Explain to folks why they need to have that specific yes, tool. Yes, I love a microplane uh, because, yeah, lemon zest, lime zest, really any kind of citrus, the zest is such as, oh. I just, it makes me actually so happy. I love when people have never really used zest before. 
And I can introduce it to them for the first time because it's so magical. If you're someone who likes cocktails as well, you might be familiar with sort of the beauty of the twist in the cocktail. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So like using the um, the outside of, of citrus, it has this incredible incredibly strong aroma and flavor because it's basically orange oil or lemon oil or lime oil that is inside that um the zest on the outside and so you add just a tiny bit of this and you're able to scrape it off just so easily so quickly with the microplane and you can add that kind of bright acidic flavor to anything Um, my friends kind of make fun of me quite often when I'm cooking with them or if I'm over at their house and they're cooking some, they're like, should I add lemon zest to this, Leanne? It's like, <laughs> joke. It's like because I always do that. Yeah. Um, well, and obviously and yeah. we talk about money and I mean, I, I love the, the fact that you focus on that so much because I mean, that's such an affordable tool, you know, like we're not talking about yes. you, you know, folks going out and buying like an air fryer. Yeah, like, I don't know yeah. how much an air fryer costs, but I know they're hot and people love them, but I got a feeling they take up a lot of counter space. That's true. That's true. Know? Well, and when, when it comes to money, Leanne, part of the reason that you're on our radar and like, we want to talk about your new book, Good Enough more as well, but like you wrote a cookbook initially, like your claim to fame was uh, the, the cookbook, Good and Cheap, which was released in 2015. It's all about eating well on just $4 a day. Like what made you feel compelled to write that in the first place? Um, and like, yeah, can you kind of give us a little bit of uh, of an idea of what your focus was in that one? Oh, well, so that came out of my master's degree in food studies at NYU. And it was just kind of looking at the state of things. Um, This awareness that, you know, there are huge, huge millions of people um, in the U.S. alone who are living on a budget of about $4 a day or less. Um, That's sort of anyone who uh, qualifies for food stamps uh, is, is living on or SNAP, as it's called now, but I know mm-hmm. most people still think of it as food stamps, the food stamps program. It's approximately $4 per person per day, which is very little money. Yeah. And I know, you know, there's a lot of issues with that. And, you know, there are a lot of a lot of people who are always saying like, oh, nobody can eat healthy on that. Nobody can eat enough on that. And, you know, I'm not really here to, to say whether or not, like, on a moral level, whether it's okay that there's literally millions of people living on $4 a day and we say that that's okay. I personally don't think that that's enough and that that's okay. Um, But what I wanted to do was meet this reality where it was and offer, you know, my own sort of knowledge as a home cook who knows that, you know, uh, you can make really, really delicious food um, for very little money if you kind of have some technique, if you have the confidence to put things together that there's just so much more that can be done and and seeing the kinds of resources that were available to people i just felt like they were really lacking um in particular they were lacking in uh sort of the addition of fruits and vegetables and sort of anything interesting they were often these sort of there's this attitude which you know is always there i think in american culture um around sort of poverty and not having enough there's a sort of like well you must have done something to deserve this this right. must be kind of your fault and and the often the resources really reflected that it was like you can have this three times uh photocopied church basement you know cookbook that i found at a garage sale and you should feel really lucky that i'm letting you have this was sort of the attitude and to me it was like i wanted to create a resource and something that was beautiful and appealing like any other lovely cookbook out there um but that just happened to be at a price point that could um could work for many people and so that 
you know, because I also know that many people are walking into into bookstores and seeing these cookbooks and feeling left out and going like, well, I can't possibly even afford that. So why would I even try? So I wanted to be really clear that cooking absolutely is affordable right. um, and sort of have that as a starting point. And, and, you know, there's also this like belief that you can't eat sort of health, generally like healthy food um, for little because healthy means like green juice and all these <laughs> kinds of very expensive things. And like, you know, healthy just means like eating a variety of, yeah, of fruits yeah. and vegetables and, and or eating a variety of foods generally and trying to eat more fruits and vegetables. And certainly it's true that, you know, at this time of year, buying a few hundred grams of raspberries is hideously expensive but <laughs> wrong season right <laughs> um, yes exactly but like but there are ways to shop and and to cook that can sort of maximize your budget and still allow you to eat eat well and and something that you said at the beginning which was sort of staying away from those like expensive cuts of meat and sort of more expensive dairy and using um those more expensive items like um you know butter and cream and expensive cheeses and expensive meats and using smaller quantities of those um alongside like the cheaper staples like rice or pasta or um, beans or things like that that we can uh you can still have just fabulous, fabulous food. So for me, it was, you know, wanting to share that and um, and wanting to sort of in my own small, small way, try to just like write, attempt to write this wrong that I saw out there and, mm. and to invite just more people into the kitchen who may have felt left out. I always want to just be welcoming. I think that's like fundamentally where I'm always at is like welcome, welcome, welcome as many people into the process of cooking because I think it's, not just wonderful to eat well, but I think the actual process of cooking is really empowering and confidence building. Yeah, it's a good skill to have and to know that you can feed yourself and feed yourself well feels yeah. good and it brings delight. Yes, yeah. and it also helps foster community. I mean, there's so many good things about cooking and I, yeah, I love that you say, you don't have to eat junk food uh, if you don't have much money. Like there's a way, and you also gave people the free resource, the downloadable, the downloadable copy of that book. Um, it, Leanne, we want to talk about more. We want to talk about cooking when you have kids. We want to talk about food waste. We want to talk about leftovers. We'll get to some of our questions on that front with you uh, right after this break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. 
It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out cachava. Just go to cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm-hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're back. We're talking about how we can cook home-cooked meals that are affordable, that are good enough. Uh, We're talking with Leanne Brown, and we were just talking about her previous book, Good and cheap. Uh, and Leanne, one of the things actually that you do in that cookbook as well is you put the total costs for the, for the dishes as well as the cost per serving, which okay. I thought was, was genius as well. But let's talk now about your new book, Good Enough. I'm curious to know more about this new book. Like it does have some recipes, but it also is it's kind of part memoir, you know, with yeah. like a you know a little dash of self care advice in there. And <laughs> yes. so, uh, what made you write this book that sort of defies literary genres? Yeah. Um well, it did. It actually came a lot out of my experiences with Good and Cheap. I had this sort of inbuilt assumption when I created Good and Cheap, and then when it ended up being this sort of surprise success, and um, I ended up touring 
all over the country, being in so many different rooms, talking with so many different people, both in person and um, people emailed me, people um, contacted me in so many different ways. Sometimes it was like, oh, how do you cook greens or something? (laughs) But often it was what I found was people were more likely to be sharing their personal stories. Hmm. Often it was growing up without a lot of money or having or being in some way affected by this, you know, working with um, people who are struggling to um, feed themselves now or feed their family or who have goals that they're not meeting and they're frustrated or who hate cooking but Mm. want to love it, you know, all these kinds of experiences. And what I began to notice and what I just found that I couldn't look away from was that so many people it didn't it wasn't even about the cost of things it was about something deeper it was about feeling like they weren't worth the effort Hmm. like at some level there was some shame that had gone so deep inside that it was really hard to come out from that you know i'm not a good enough cook i'm not a good enough person to even work on this for um there's so much of this kind of pain or this sort of personal like there's something wrong with me that i don't know how to do this that i have so far kind of failed at this these all these just really really harsh beliefs that people were holding about themselves and there you know where there were times where i was so privileged to be in a position i think to soothe some of those painful feelings and maybe to create the beginnings of some healing but I couldn't look away from this also because I, you know, I related to it and, and I found that I I was reflected in my own journey of cooking, but also just in life in general of, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression for much of my life. And so I found that I wanted to share the way that cooking kind of helped me figure myself out, help me find confidence, help me find creativity and the way that I use it um, as sort of a deep kind of self-care, not just as like, oh, I can make myself something delicious, but something where I can notice, like I can rely on myself. I can, I can Hmm. learn to trust myself. I can do all these things. And so it started out as, as something where I was like, oh, I'm going to tell the stories of all these folks that I met. And then I realized over time that (laughs) that wasn't going to work. And I had to do the vulnerable thing and tell my own story. (laughs) Um, That was the only way it was going to work. So it took quite a few years because I really resisted that. Um, I didn't want to do it, but I'm so glad I did because I think the I what I realized in over time once I finally broke down and stopped resisting was, you know, any piece of art, any book, anything that has ever really helped me or made me feel comforted or seen has always come from somebody else sharing their truth honestly. And so I realized that I need to do that too. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and you you give a lot of personal anecdotes which help. Uh, cooking feel a little more relatable because <laughs> usually a cookbook it's like <laughs> yeah. it's like the ten commandments down from on high and you're like oh this is what the wise person uh, who knows all tells to me the peon who knows nothing but this is yeah. very like a give and take which I, I appreciate and and at one point in the book you uh, there's this quote that stuck out to me you said cooking is great but eating is essential and yes. <laughs> that was particularly in a section where you recommended a lot of really basic dishes like low effort meals so can yeah. you talk to us about uh, low effort meals and kind of why we should maybe be attempting those first or attempting those more often. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was, I think my, like me in my twenties would be like, no, um, about all of that. Um, <laughs> I was always like such an overachiever for the longest time. I think it was because, you know, cooking was like sort of the only space where I was like feeling pleasure and creativity and all that kind of thing. And now I think part of it is becoming a parent. Part of it is just getting a little wiser, getting a little bit more honest. But 
life is going to absolutely it is an unassailable reality that there will be so many days where just getting some food in your body is the best you can do like that's a fact no matter you know there will whether you're lucky enough to not have those days very often you know tragedy will happen hardship will happen just too much stress just not having enough time all these sorts of even you know even not the sort of losing people like not that kind of level of pain but just sort of the everyday pain they happen and so you gotta have cheese toast you know you gotta have (laughs) cereal you gotta like it has to be okay to eat crackers and cheese it has to be okay to eat like just a handful of almonds it has to be okay um to just be putting nourishment into your body and so i wanted to and I don't think that's something that people who write cookbooks usually say. And right. that's totally yeah. understandable because the point of a cookbook is often to give people like something that is a little bit more elevated to create. But what I realized again with all the folks who reached out to me in the past was that people are longing to know that it's okay to eat that way. Like I can't tell you how many emails I got about there's a section in good and cheap called stuff on toast. (laughs) (laughs) And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's like, take some leftovers, take some this, take some that, Um, take some like wilted spinach and throw it in there and put it on some toast and you have a meal. And I truly got so many emails from people saying, gosh, I feel so validated, like, mm. to know that it's okay. That. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's like, what a weird position to be in that I can kind of give people permission to eat in a way that mm-hmm. is working for them and that takes that guilt that they're feeling, this idea that they're not doing enough that, you know, whether it's, you know, Instagram or this sort of food culture sure, um, yeah. creates this image that is completely unattainable for the most of us chef. most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and again, like, I don't think there's anything... There's not, nobody's like trying to do anything bad. It's like, everyone's just trying to sell, like, make my thing. It looks nice. But what it does over time, if you don't have um, sort of some grounding in like seeing, you know, being in a family where they cooked relatively often and um, you were fed in a particular way and you know what's normal that, you know, maybe once or twice a week you have a meal that looks kind of like that. Um, And that's what's normal rather than for every meal. You can believe that like, oh, everyone else is eating in this incredible way. Everything looks great. I am, you know, such a failure. And when you feel like a failure, you don't want to try because you feel like yeah. you've already failed. So it's hmm. to me, things like this create the chance for people to actually dive in and feel successful, which is literally 99% of it, right? Like, I think we all know that yeah. sort of boring, like thing that everyone talks about this time of year, just like just showing up is most of the battle, but it's true. And so showing up in the kitchen, even if it's just to grab a handful of nuts and not then saying like, oh my God, I'm such a loser because I just ate crackers and cheese this week. It's like, well, what happened this week? Why did you only eat crackers and cheese? Is that really because you're a loser or is it because this week was really intense and you don't have you know enough stuff around right now and you weren't able to get to the grocery store and like that's okay we don't need to like internalize these things as problems with ourselves mm. but rather problems with our circumstances yeah and, and you hinted at this but you had a baby uh, you've got a daughter now uh that's I do. you know pretty young and so that has an impact on the amount of time <laughs> that you're able to dedicate towards food and one of the things you oh, do yes. in your your new cookbook here good enough is that I love how you put the uh, TLDR, the too long didn't read at the top, Yeah, good. <laughs> which is just like a <laughs> yes. one sentence summary because it quickly gives you an idea of what this recipe is going to entail. But then once you do 
have a level of comfort where, you know, you've got some chops, you know how to handle yourself in the kitchen. You can kind of quickly look at some of those TLDRs. And you can just kind of know what to do already. Ex- yeah, you exactly. don't even need to read the rest. And I, yep. I found that incredibly, that was just, yeah, that was just really cool to, to see something and to quickly yeah. know whether or not. Did you feel good about yourself almost? Like, it's like, yeah. oh, maybe I do kind of know how to cook. If exactly. Actually, like you see that, that and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. I, know, I, know how, I know what that entails. That's basic that enough for a dummy like me. Exactly. Well, and that's what I love about doing something like that. Because to me, it's like, fundamentally, that's just a shame remover. Not only in terms of just noticing, like, remember you know, it looks like it's 16 steps, but it's like, cut it up, put it in a pan, add heat, wait till brown, put it in a bowl, the end. Like, that's so much of what we're doing. But um, but it's sort of like, we give these intricate steps so that you can really have success, so you can understand the why of everything. But fundamentally, that's all we're doing. And so I think sometimes taking that preciousness away can just remind um, the reader, like, oh, yeah, this is actually really doable. And then the other thing is so many people, myself, absolutely included, even as a recipe um, writer, I don't read the recipes most of the time, <laughs> you know, or like not Shooting before I do it, even though you should, of course, like you really should read it all the way through, not because like that's the good girl thing to do or whatever, but really because it will just give you um, a greater chance of success, a greater ability to be organized and feel in control as you're doing the recipe and feel calm during it. But I still don't. And so it was just a way of acknowledging most of us are not going to read it through before we start. And so here's a way um, that you can still sort of get uh, the purpose of reading it through before you start ahead of time um, so that you can feel good and you don't have to, and you don't feel again, like ashamed, like that I, as the, this big cookbook author from on high is judging you and going, Oh, I'm so offended. You didn't read through my whole recipe and respect my every word and suggestion. It's like, no, we're all just human. Like I just want you to eat well. I want you to feel good about the food that you're making at home. I want you to know that your taste matters more than mine to you Mm. as well. That's the other thing that's really important to me. Leanne, we are a money podcast. And, and, you know, when we're talking about food, one of the big problems when when it comes to how much we spend on food Mm. is throwing food away and totally. so yeah we what what should we be tossing items out that are past the use-by date or how can we get better i guess uh, about using all the food that's on hand not throwing stuff away not forgetting about the leftovers that are in the back of the fridge all that kind of stuff yeah um absolutely i think that is probably if you want to save money without making huge changes um to your lifestyle, really working on your waste management was probably like one of the quickest routes. Um, and But the ways to do that are like, yes, absolutely, you can use a ton of things are fine after they're, um, they're used by date, but it does depend on the thing. And so I, it's almost like I, I don't know that we can get into that necessarily. <laughs> that <level of> like, detail. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, if there's like blue gunk on your yogurt, throw it out, please. <laughs> um, you know, but like there's, but there's all kinds of things like, like, especially canned items, things like that. They're often absolutely fine for long, even, <laughs> I hate to say it, but like almost years afterwards. Um, and same with, there's all kinds of things. It's like, if it isn't rancid, if it isn't moldy, like, of course you can use it. And then when it comes to, you know, something that I talk about a lot is like with fresh produce, um, that's something that a lot of people struggle with waste around because there's a sort of phenomenon where you get like excited. You're like, yeah, I'm going to cook all this stuff this week. And you buy maybe a little more than is totally realistic. Um, 
And then you end up with like wilted spinach and like yucky tomatoes and then you feel bad about it and you, I actually have a section in uh, my new book, Good Enough, about sort of that like shame cycle of where you're like so embarrassed that you have the gross spinach that you yeah. like <laughs> ignore it for another week, like hoping you have like I don't the know, leftover like life cycle to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, I mean, I thought you you talked well about not only the mm-hmm. foods that are going to keep well and the foods uh, that probably don't do well as leftovers, but you gave some tips yeah. as well as to ways like just different things we can do to make uh, eating leftovers more successful. Uh, yeah. Do you mind sharing some of those? Sure, absolutely. So. And I have lots of this in Good and Cheap, which is freely available online, too. Especially for something like a stew or a soup, uh, reusing it just in a slightly different way. Um, Often just after you make it, putting it directly in the freezer. Really, these are, most of my tips are, they're almost, they're boring, but they're just about, like, just be realistic and try to be consistent with yourself. Um, Plan, try to, to, like, make realistic meal plans rather than these, like, pie in the sky, like, I'm going to cook every single, you know, three meals a day, every day this week. It's like, (laughs) is that really realistic? Well, especially Um, we're we're in January now, and it's like people have all these New Year's resolutions, and they're like, I'm going to be the best cook ever. (laughs) I know, and and it's just such a setup, and it, yeah, kind of breaks my heart. Because it's like, then if you crash and burn at that then you think like oh my god i could never do that and it's like well actually if you just had a more realistic goal you probably would be able to be consistent about it and then the other thing is like with those wilted like the wilted situation there's so many recipes where you can actually still use those things you know you maybe Mm. don't want to use like wilted spinach in a salad but you can use it in like a quiche Mm -hmm. or um of course like soups and stews and sautés like there's so many places where Vegetables don't need to be perfectly fresh. Um, even roasting vegetables, um, like like doing like a tray sort of bake in the oven, those all can be fabulous ways to reuse it. Yeah. So I think just like really trying to um, stay on top of that and and just being again being realistic with yourself doesn't mean giving up on yourself. It actually is like the better way to really like give yourself a chance of success. So saying like, I'm going to make three meals this week that have these fresh vegetables and I have a plan for them. And then you won't end up like with these things that that are wasted. Yeah. And I mean, you gave some very just simple practical steps too. I mean, like, you know, keeping your leftovers in clear containers so that you can actually oh, see God, yeah. what's inside of them or keeping all of the, you know, the food that's yes. in your fridge if that's you ready to eat. Yes, if you can afford them, the glass lock ones are so yeah. fabulous. <laughs> like, they're, and they're, you can clean them so easily. Um, you can see everything looks nice in them. They look appealing. It <laughs> reminds you that it's there. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, all that like behavioral science, you know, where it's like keep your chocolate covered pretzels in the jars that you can't see through so that you don't just eat those and keep the yeah, Yeah. um, the food that you want to snack on the carrot sticks in in a clear glass jar. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I was kind of asking about that because I I feel like I'm, I'm. you know, here at How to Money, at least I'm the king of leftovers. Oh, I love leftovers, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's never a style thing, right? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. he wears it like a badge of honor. Oh yeah, had <laughs> <laughs> it on my bicep. Yeah. Uh, but Leah, we've got uh, several other questions we want to get to, including Please. we we want to talk to you too about like meal delivery. Your thoughts on that? Mm. Uh, getting out of ruts as well when it comes to cooking. We'll get to all that right after this break. probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? 
Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're (laughs) You're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney 
for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. All right, we're going to keep this train rolling. We're talking with Leanne Brown about making good food on less money. And uh, Leanne, we, we hinted at the beginning of the show where I mentioned that Aldi is basically our quick go-to answer for people who want to save money when it comes to cooking their own food. It seems like Leanne approved, too. And, it sounds like yeah, it sounds like thumbs up. What, what's your take on the low-cost grocery stores? Uh, I love Aldi. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's great. I mean, Aldi is a great place. Not only it's like low-cost, but it's also they have really good quality basics, which allow you to make really great quality food at home. Um, okay, so full disclosure, I actually was like on an Aldi like board a few years ago. They like... I I was consulting for something. Um, so I, I am a fan of theirs and, uh, I just, yeah, I just, I think they are doing a really good job. I think the way that they cut costs is usually like to reduce like packaging and to reduce the mm-hmm. way that they Love advertise it. and things yep. like that. So none of those actually affect the quality yeah. of food. Keep it on a and pallet. so you're still getting good quality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And because it's, again, it's like, it's a European It's not like milk, wa- uh, watered down milk German. or anything like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. All of it's good quality. And because it's, yeah, it's German, it's like they have like that good German chocolate and stuff like yeah. that. Like they have good food there. And so, yeah, I, I absolutely think that they're a wonderful place to start shopping. Leanne, in addition to cooking for ourselves, which can be a challenge, you know, a conundrum for many parents uh, that that they face are kids who are picky eaters. You know, like a lot of kids <laughs> yeah. are begging for snacks for the fruit roll-ups, uh, stuff that their friends have in their school lunches. Uh-huh. Uh, how how do you deal, or, or how do you recommend dealing with, with those complaints? Because I, I assume your baby, your uh, your toddler, yeah, isn't necessarily she's the same. No, of course. <laughs> no, that's always the funny thing, right? I think, and again, I guess I'll go I'll go back to uh, just normalizing. Like it's just yeah, that's what kids are like. Um, and that's okay. And so I think part of it is acceptance, like just sort of surrendering to when children are young, they are going to be what we call picky, which really is like, again, from a um, historical sort of evolutionary biology perspective is completely appropriate. It's a real thing that they're experiencing in their body. They have a very strong disgust response to um, new foods in order for, you know, millions of years ago or many, many, many millennia ago, protecting themselves from eating something poisonous. Um, and so these are like strong biological responses that they're having in their body. And so on that note, basically what I always say is kind of like, don't stress and don't try to fight it too much. Cause like, then you can create like all this sort of misery around food and fighting that you don't, that like, it's just a losing battle. Um, so part of it is acceptance. And then and yeah, and just knowing that like, you know, your kid's probably going to cry when you say no to the 10th treat of the day and that that is also okay. And um, and that for kids to want to eat mac and cheese every day doesn't mean you are a failure. It doesn't mean there is anything wrong with them. And it also doesn't mean that they're not going to eat a huge and wonderful variety of foods when they're older. And it might it mean that you're that making great mac and cheese, you know, so which is <laughs> yes. a plus. Literally, or that you are raising a survivor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, exactly. That, that's, yeah, that's like, another way I know to look it sounds it. so silly, but the, the, ev- the evolutionary biology piece I often do bring in because <laughs> I think that parents forget, like, when the kid, you know, when you've had that, like, your kid tries something that they liked last week and then they get this, like, just repulsed look on their face, they're not faking it. Yeah. It's like they're really having an experience in their body that is hard for them to control. Hmm. Um, it's so it's not personal, but that's really hard. You know, it's hard when, and especially for those of us who, you know, preparing food for the people you love is a way of expressing love. It can feel 
like a rejection when they mm. don't. And especially because the other way we try to show love is by taking care of each other's body. So when you're trying to say, be like, we're putting peas in the mac and cheese and they're like, never toss it across <laughs> the room. Um, it can hurt, but just know that that's normal and that it's not personal and just that it's a process and that nobody cookbook authors and, you know, parenting advice columnists and all of us are struggling with the exact same thing. So. All right. I, I want to know your take on meal delivery services. It's one of those things that, that my wife and I, we've tried. And by my wife and I, I mean, mostly she's like, <laughs> she's like wanted to do it. And we got uh, just like a, a super cheap trial offer. Right. Mm. And my wife really enjoyed it. Just having all the media, uh, ingredients shipped to the door. And then it was just incredibly easy to cook uh, a meal and to get out of maybe the rut of some of the things that we've yeah. been used to cooking. Uh, but then on the regular basis, it's just, it's prohibitively expensive. We thought yes. at least, but yeah, well, what's your take on those? Because she felt great after doing it and the, the food was good too. Yes. So I think it has a time and a place. And I think really what you said is my own experience and the experience of, you know, many, many people who I've, I've talked with. I think it can be a really nice thing to do for a period of time. If you are feeling stuck in a rut or you're needing to kind of reconnect with cooking or reconnect with some new flavors, um, it can be a really great thing to try for a little while to bring something new into your life um, in a way that is, you know, not the pressure of like, oh, I'm going to create like like get a new cookbook and cook it through it or something like that. It's something where it's all delivered to your door and all that kind of thing. It's contained. Someone else is doing the decision making. I think all of that is great. And yeah, some of the trial offers also can be really reasonably priced. Um, but yeah, over time, the downsides are absolutely most of them. You don't do the same thing again. And so sometimes, you know, if you're having it like five days a week, it can be, it's just a lot of cooking, which sometimes can put you off a little bit and it's not the same thing because you know much as many of us are like oh, i'm not at all a five-year-old we're also kind of five-year-olds and want <laughs> the things we like sometimes again right true um That's true. Yeah. and so you're also talking about cost again one of the best ways to have things be low cost is to do repeat meals and to have sort of mm. your rotation of favorites that you always have the ingredients for and that you can always make um that is absolutely going to be a, a great way to save money in the long term. Um, so, so yeah, basically, I think it's a style thing. I I think it's also something that's really lovely for parents. It's something I would love to give to like parents of a new baby if they have mm. one baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> not when they have like a four year old too, um, <laughs> or a two year old as well. But w- parents of a new baby, sort of who have a little bit of time, you know, can hold like a newborn and like create some fresh food, but yeah. have it all delivered in this sort of contained way. Um, but maybe have time to do like. Like a half hour, 45 minute um, kind of cook session. I think it can be really good. And then, of course, the other criticism is most of them uh, require tremendous amounts of packaging, mm. um, which is wasted, not only. Um, and then there's the single serving nature of it, uh, which, again, is, is all to the good in order to take um, your sort of uh, the mental energy that you would put into this is taken away by making it these lovely single serving things, but also it creates like an environmental waste uh, issue, which um, I I don't think it's really worth it in the end, Mm. unfortunately. And there are are places that are working on that, but I think even, you know, the sort of best of the best really eco minded ones are still, you know, it's still like it's a fridge box shows up at your thing every (laughs) day. You have to throw a refrigerator at your front step. Like, is there a way to do that that isn't, (laughs) 
bad for the environment. That is, that I don't is true. know. So, okay, speaking of the environment, meat, protein, animal protein specifically, mm-hmm. is this purely like an American obsession? Because not only is it uh, have a negative Eating a lot of it, you mean? Or? Yeah, just the quantities mm. that we consume animal proteins here in the States, because obviously it's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that we think a lot about when it comes to our meals. Yes. But, you know, you also read the work of Butner and just the amount of protein that other cultures eat yeah. has shown to, to, to lead to even to, to longer lives. And so I would love to hear your thoughts on the amount of uh, animal protein that we consume. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I would agree with that. Like, it's we don't need as much as we think we mm. do. It's just a myth. Um, and yeah, the sort of it's almost like there's this American like, I have a right to the amount of meat that I want kind of thing. And yeah. there's also been this cultural obsession for the last, you know, many decades of trying to make meat cheaper and cheaper and cheaper because there's this like fundamental human right to meat. And it's like, that doesn't actually make sense. And it's sort of this like false market that's been created and it comes at tremendous cost to, of course, animal welfare, the environment, and actually I think our health as well. Yeah. And it's it's not an only American accept, um, obsession. I think it's okay. anywhere where there's affluence in the world, um, which is all over the world. Um, meat consumption, dairy consumption um, is on the rise. And yeah, I think it's just sensible and good for us to bring some reality to that veganism and stuff is so much on the rise especially amongst um younger younger people and i think that's wonderful um for people to just have different meal patterns and to begin to uh just learn to eat in different ways and and different ways that serve our body and and so that we can all like as a culture begin to realize like you don't have to eat a lot of meat in order to like be an athlete or something you can be like a really strict um careful vegan and who's also gluten-free and whatever and like be a weightlifter and all these kinds of things Mm -hmm. um to just sort of take away some of these essentialist um sorts of notions i think is always good like it's all about us as individuals and what we individually need and leanne i gotta say we love the work that you've been putting out there and we we love your mission to help people eat better on less money and the fact that you also you put your money where your mouth is and you give away that uh that 2015 cookbook that you wrote which again we'll link to in the show notes but yes thank you so much for joining us where can how do money listeners find out more about you about what you're up to and about your brand new cookbook Awesome. Um, well, you can always go to uh, leannebrown.com. It's just my name, L-E-A-N-N-E, brown, just like the color. Um, my website, and then I'm on Instagram, is kind of the only social media I do any anything regularly on. <laughs> Leanne E. Brown there. Um, yeah, and I'll be just trying to get the word out about Good Enough. You can order it now. That would be wonderful. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so honored anyone wants to engage with my recipes, with my writing. Um, It's an absolute joy to be here and I'm excited to offer anything and reach out anytime. If anything resonates with you, I'd love to hear it. All right. And we'll be awaiting that Leanne Brown TikTok uh, page in (laughs) the near future, right? (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Leanne, thank you so much for joining us today. (laughs) Thank you. This was fun. All right, Matt. Gotta love that conversation with Leanne Brown. I feel like she's part food therapist, <laughs> part cookbook Dude, author. So true. Part yeah. how to money co-host. <laughs> I feel like even though she's, you know, craft beer isn't necessarily her thing. I feel like she uh, speaks about food and approaches it in the same way that we approach uh, personal finance. Yes, and I think you know we've talked about this before too. That shame and guilt, and how we need to avoid that when it comes to 
our money progress. And it's easy to compare ourselves to what other people have been able to accomplish. And if we mm-hmm. do that, we're setting ourselves up for failure. And exactly. she's saying the same thing with food. It's easier to see your neighbor and the nice meal they just uh, turned out and maybe invited you over for. It. And you're like, why don't I do stuff like that? Mm-hmm. But that's not what you're comparing yourself to. That's unhealthy and you're not going to make much progress that way. But what, what was your big takeaway from this conversation with Leanne? Well, I want to continue to piggyback off of this conversation because it does have to do with that shame and guilt. And what she's what she was really getting at, I think, with Good Enough, with this new cookbook, is that there's a mindset shift that takes place with how it is that you cook. It's not necessarily about the nuts and bolts, per se. It's not about, you know, it is about some of the technique, but she's really speaking to the mindset shift that, that takes place when you can think about cooking uh, in, in a different way. And then she was talking about how that can empower you to make other positive changes in your life. And that is 100% what we try to do here on the show when it comes to our money. Yes, we do talk a lot about the nuts and bolts, just like, yes, she does talk about how the microplane is a affordable, <laughs> great tool to spice up your dishes and, you know, create whatever fine cheese you, <laughs> you want over that carbonara. And we do talk about the specific things and laws that are changing and the techniques uh, when it comes to how it is that you can save and invest your money. But so much of it has to do with how you mentally approach the money that you earn, the money that you spend, the money that you save, because you can be doing all the correct things, but if you feel guilty about it, or if you feel that you're never making enough, those negative attitudes can have a terrible effect uh, on our ability to enjoy our money and to do things with it that we want to. So that one was a little more esoteric, I guess. <laughs> it wasn't that she gave the the stamp of approval for Aldi, but uh, yeah, what was your, your big takeaway? Well, yeah, I did appreciate that because we love Aldi and I'm yeah. glad, glad she does too. But I think my big thing was really towards the beginning of the conversation when she basically said technique is greater than costly ingredients. And I think sometimes we think we need the finest stuff right. in order to cook well. And that was, yeah, when we were talking about all this, she was saying that, like the ingredients are great there. It's not like the, it's a frugal first is cheap and you're making a trade off and you're getting the cheap stuff at Aldi and you're like, oh, is it worth paying less in Those order to get inferior quality? are good enough. Yes, they are. They're they're very good ingredients. <laughs> but and, she's not telling us to go to Whole Foods or whatever, you know, super high in local grocery that yep. you have uh, wherever you live. Just learning a couple of basic techniques, trying out, I think, starting with some of those, you know, low effort meals that she that she describes in this newest cookbook are, are great ways to kind of get the ball rolling mm-hmm. because, yeah, you don't have to go get the nicest stuff. Like I was just at Costco the other day, Matt, like I am, and there were, I, I realized ribeye steaks were double the price that they were 15 months ago, Ooh. like double for real. And I was like, I'm, I'm not eating ribeye like nope. these days. Like it's a, it's a very, very like once a year treat typically, mm-hmm. maybe twice. Um, but I'm like, well, I'm probably foregoing ribeye for the foreseeable future <laughs> until those prices start to come back down. And and that's the kind of thing, though, is, is like there, there's ways to cook delicious meals that don't involve $20 a pound ribeye. Exactly. Nope. I love it, man. All right. Let's go ahead and shift gears, get back to the beer that you and I enjoyed during this episode. Uh, this was a stout that was barrel aged by our friend Jess uh, and he and his friends brew under the name Easy Chair Brewing Garage. What were your thoughts on this beer? All right. So I loved that it was a barrel aged stout because it had some of that. I think he said uh, Woodford Reserve Barrels. I forget get what he said maybe it was uh, oh um trace oh, buffalo, buffalo trace, trace? Yeah. okay yeah, yeah. all right so yeah it had it had some of that whiskey note on the finish uh but at the same time it was low abv it was like six percent he told me and so it's this nice usually a barrel aged down like 12 13 like they're it's extra boozy because yeah. i don't know does it actually pick up some alcohol you know like from the barrel maybe a little right I, yeah maybe a little bit I, i'm not uh uh we're not super versed in yeah, the, <laughs> i'm not smart enough to know <laughs> the, the craft brewing process yes but i, I would say it was delicious because i liked how it had both those things going on it was it was light enough with a little bit of that like bourbon finish on the beer and uh, like 
what's better than a barrel aged stout in January? Honestly, like not much. This was a great example of a homebrewed stout and uh, crafted with care by Jess over there for sure. Yeah, crafted with love. And it was almost brewed like this, this isn't an overly heavy, thick, dark, clunky kind of stout, right? Like it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's a very chipper, bright, on its toes <laughs> type of stouts while still incorporating some of those woody barrel-aged notes. This was a fantastic stout. I'm glad that you and I got to enjoy this one together. And a huge thanks to our friend Jess for donating this one to the show. Yeah, he drove it over, dropped it off on the uh, yeah. doorstep. So yeah, thank you, Jess. We appreciate it. I think he, he said they bottled this one like not even two weeks ago, which yeah. is pretty great. So. so it's fresh, 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 fresh. All right. Well, uh, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. We'll have links to both of the cookbooks we talked about today with Leanne in our show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. Joel, that's going to be it. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.